welcome to Experience Hawaii Life Histories, a podcast series in partnership with Hawaii Public Radio and Hawaii Council for the Humanities, featuring excerpts from the archive of over 800 interviews of Hawaii women and men at the University of Hawaii Manoa Center for Oral History in the Department of Ethnic Studies. Laymaking in Hawaii truly is a generational story, and today you're going to be hearing the voices of many who lived through the evolution of the business. These interviews were all done with airport lay sellers in 1985, but the stories go back many years before that. Sandra Santamer was born in Honolulu in 1941, and her family was Hawaiian-Chinese-Caucasian. She was raised by her grandparents in Kalihi, and her grandmother sold lei downtown. They were part of the crush of boat day when the passenger ships would come in at the waterfront. Sandra worked downtown with her grandmother and later at the airport, and she eventually inherited her grandmother's business at the airport, Rachel's Lay Stand. Can you tell us about what your grandmother did? She went into being a lay seller mm-hmm. at the boat and at Monica Street. See, I was about maybe about 10, 11 years old when I was at Monica Street with her. Did she have a, a shop on she Monica Street? She had a shop on Monica Street. Oh, what was the name of her shop? She didn't have a, a name on it. See, most of the lace sellers at Monica Street did not have a name for their business. Oh, but see, they but were we, in a building? But they were outside on the sidewalk. Oh, I see. In the front of, you know, of businesses. So they would just have their lace out on the sidewalk? On they the have si- tables? We had n- tables. We had like... A, like a long board with nails on it. Then we just put our lays on. Oh, hanging hang down. Hanging down. Then we had a little box thing that we put our feet into, and we used box, wooden box, uh-huh. to put our flowers in. We didn't have those uh, cardboard to put our flowers inside those days. Just cardboard or, you know, bikinis. Uh-huh. And to wet the lays, we just have water. Um, we had a faucet like in a lane go and get water, and we had our ice boxes in the lane, too. Oh. Where we have to go and take, you know, after we close, because say we start about 7 o'clock in the morning, and we get through about 8, 9 o'clock at night. Just put all the lanes in the back, lock it all up, get our water, get our bucket water, put it in the front, and wet the lanes, dip it up and down, uh-huh. you know, shake it, and, and then just put, put it on our display board. Now, when you first were on Monarchia Street, were you buying your flowers? Oh, yes. We were buying from the growers. So you didn't have any backyard farmers coming down there? Not too many of them. Not too many. Maybe like my grandma had this lady from um, Damon Track. She used mm-hmm. to bring our suppliers with plumeria lanes. Mm-hmm. And Papakulea, we have crown flowers. And Nanakuli crown flowers we used mm-hmm. to have. They used to just bring it already strung. So it'd be easier for us oh, just to sell. Huh? Yeah. Especially both days. Just take it straight down to the boat. My grandma would take so much in her bikini. Did she normally sell all the lace that she took? Normally she sold all her lace. And those days were like, she you could get even 10 for a dollar. Wow. That's how cheap the lace <laughs> were. Really was a tremendous. And you see the amount of lace that all the, the lace sellers had. And beautiful primaria lace. You know, they just had all the different colors, natural colors that would be sold. And I mean, they just have them in armful of each one of them down the road, ten, ten full dollars. This is bargain with you know the customers bargaining with them. Mm-hmm. Then before you know, be, before the boat ready to leave, they want to just get rid of them, so they go twenty four dollar. Wow, that's it. 
and they really they really made i mean those days money were a lot to them although it was cheap mm -hmm. you know but every dollar was a dollar 10 for a dollar then 20 for a dollar when the timing got tight for inventory that was a little while back one consistent factor through so many of these stories is family that's true for Harriet Kaave, who was born in 1933 and grew up in Kakahako, where, along with her siblings, she helped make lay and sell them downtown and, of course, on the waterfront on boat day. She was Hawaiian Portuguese, and her family moved to Kalihi in later years. Her mother moved the business to the airport before she retired in 1965. Harriet took over the business and renamed it Harriet's Lay Stand. But she also recalled earlier years when the entire family pitched in, including her father. My father worked for city and county. Mm -hmm. uh, he worked for the road department. He rode the, he drove the sweeper. Mm. Yeah. And my mother, well, she was a lace seller. Mm. She sold lace down at the pier, and my father was a help to her. And um, how did he help her? Well, after work, he was the one that got all of us kids. I mean, we were pretty young then till we moved. And then we were able to help Stringley, but he went down to the pier and helped her get the flowers going and all that. Can you explain how they prepared their lace to go to the, to the boat? How, they, did, how did they pick up their flowers? And where did they string their lace? Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? Uh, when we were able to help my, my mom and dad, my father used to drive us around because they didn't have flowers like they have today. And what we did, we went as far as Waipahu and Schofield, and along the highway, they have Bougainvilliers. Mm -hmm. And they had this um, a hibiscus, and we used to pick all. You know, I mean, we used to kind of hide <laughs> because it's on the highway. <laughs> but these are the flowers that we used to have, and we used to pick plumerias. Mm -hmm. But when we moved to Demon Track, we planted planted about 40 or 50 trees of crown flowers mm -hmm. and we raised our own nestations and our own uh, marigold, okloi oi oi that and uh, these are the flowers that we used mm -hmm. and uh, we you know as kids we really worked hard because we had to pick all those flowers. Yeah, did you mm -hmm. buy any flowers? Yes, my mother then bought from people, farmers at uh, Kuli Oo. Uh, it's just below the Lunalilo uh, rest home mm -hmm. in that area. It was all, that's where all the, our carnations came from. Mm. And we used to go up there and all the other type of flower like the blue hydraniums and the pansies and the gingers and gardenias all came from Manoa. Because mm. in those days, that's where, that's where the farm was in Manoa. Mm. So we used to go up there and get all the flowers. Do you see a change in the way the, the business is run since the old folks have gone? I don't think so. I think it's the same thing. You know, I don't think any of us will be millionaires. We get too much aloha, you know, in us. <laughs> There's time if they have, you know, if, if the ladies get one day, two day old, we always, you know, you buy wine, we always give, and mm -hmm. then we see somebody we didn't see a long time, oh, put a lay on, you know. So we used to laugh a lot. We sit down, we go, you know, us Hawaiians, we'll never be millionaires, but that's all right. We get, we're happy because we get so much love, you know. <laughs> and I think that's the main thing. I, I guess my mom was like that too, you know. Uh, there's so much love uh, that 
I think that's what makes us Hawaiians. That interview with Harriet was done in 1985, maybe a little after the years of getting flowers from the highway, but she was still selling lei at the airport. We have a couple of interviews now with two women who go back a bit further in the history of lei selling in Honolulu. Martina Makalino was born in Nu'uanu in 1917. That was the year the queen died. It was in the middle of World War I. Her mother sold lei and Martina helped. After her mother died in 1960, she and her sister took over her mother's lei stand and changed the name from Agnes's lei stand to Martina's lei stand. She talks about how the work involved was not just selling lei at the stands or on the waterfront, but also the work of getting the flowers, which in the old days meant lots of hiking. I know my mother how many years. I don't know when she sleeps or when she don't sleep. But she does yard work in person, music to it, climb mountain, pick up all her greeneries, come home with my father. See, dad and her used to go up the mountain, pick up all the greeneries. They'd go mostly for pick up gingers, you know, gingers, tea leaf, lawaii's, mylis, lawaii That's what you use when you braid the leaves. The limo is lawaii Well, they have that. See, same thing, this uh, greenway that they picked from the mountain. From the mountain? Yeah. It looks like that? Yeah. Oh. It's exactly like it, you know. Oh. Well, she used to pick all, the, pick all that. They have uh, the Miley that we pick up the mountain. Miley Ili'i. It's a small Miley. There's three kind of Miley. You know where the reservoir is? The new one up at the new one? Yeah. Okay, you have to go way inside. And as you go in, right along the bend, you can see the varieties of Miley. Because mm. uh, you pick all the different varieties. Oh, yes. We used to have the long one, the square ones, the other ones. When, I, when my dad go, we get all the Miley's because he's the one who know how to pick them. So when they pick up Miley, how much do they pick up? One oh, time? by the bags. Maybe five bags. Big bags? Oh, yeah. My dad used to come with tent bags. People used to hammer the Miley, right? Yes, my husband. My father chewed his Miley. That's his, he's here. He has beautiful teeth, that man. Nothing rotting about his teeth, you know. He had his whole set. He died with one teeth missing, mm. but his whole set. He tell me, gee, you probably get nicer than teeth, all even. And he chewed Miley. And I tell you, Cracker Jack and chewing that Miley. And why does he chew it? To soften the Miley. Oh, yeah. You have to, you know, you have to tie it. Uh -huh. And my mother had rather have him chew than you hammer. Mm. You hammer, you don't know how to hammer. You kill the Miley. Mm -hmm. You kill the, the loop where you break. Mm -hmm. The king comes loose and fall off. Mm. But if you chew it, you you actually don't chew too much, too mm -hmm. hard, but you chew some of them, but you give enough to tie him. Mm. My father said, oh, he chewed. You know, believe he said, he chewed bags of my name. Bags and bags. Three bags, he chewed all by himself. If he started in the morning, he chewed him like dying. <laughs> I used to feel sorry for my dad. You know? How uh, often did they have to go in the mountain? Oh, mom used to go twice a week. Oh, or maybe once a week. 
All depend how you pick up your, all depend on the boat, you know. So much depended on the boat, the demand side, how much you had to pick, and how often you had to pick Miley. And chewing Miley from morning until night? Now that is dedication. But the boat wasn't the only place to sell lei. Irene Sims was born in Keikaha in Kauai in 1915. She was Hawaiian Chinese and came to Honolulu when she was 16 to attend Kamehameha schools. In the late 1940s, she started selling lei not only at the waterfront, but also in Waikiki, outside of Lao Yi Chai Restaurant. That was built in 1929 and knocked down in 1966. If you're familiar with Waikiki today, it's where the Ambassador Hotel is now. And nearby was another place to sell lei, what we might call an after-hours club, and what Irene knew as a bottle club. They used to have uh, the bottle club. A bottle club is a club where they open after hours when all the bars are closed and you bring your own bottle oh. and you drink, yes, <laughs> and that's it. And what we used to do, when we used to sell lays at Lawi Chai, what lays we don't finish selling there, we go out at Bottle Club, which was right across the street. So mm. people used to come on taxis and, and limousines and whatnot at night to bring all these people that want to go to the Bottle Club. Hey, we, had, we used to make money down there, I tell you. Did you, know, you sleep? Hardly. <laughs> hardly. And then I said that this is, cannot go on. I was told that at the airport, uh, was a place that were that was um, a good business place, mm -hmm. and um, I thought, well, I should make, uh, get a try and go down to the airport and do, make money down there. And how many trucks mm -hmm. were there when you went? I think there were about six, I think. Yeah, and I was number seven. That's right. And when you went there, were you um, actually the seventh one in line? Yes, and in other words, the last one. Mm -hmm. You see, they, they, they start from the beginning and they, it's supposed to be when the, when the people come in, they rather stop at the front stands mm -hmm. and they feel that, you know, it's more easier or so whatever. So the people in the front are usually the ones that used to make the money. Whoa. Unless it's filled up, then they come down. Whoa. But, you know, we, they used to, the, the Navy used to have a boat by the, by the name of the Mars. Uh -huh. And that boat used to bring in good, good business for our sleigh selling at the airport. Big difference between the yes, there are. Yes, there are. Yes, you see, those people that were there a long time ago, before you have, maybe before I got there, was made customers, had customers, you know, so many customers. They know that, like Rachel's was. Rachel was one of the most popular yeah. lay seller there. Why? Because she was established down at Monacare uh, Street. Mm. Okay, then they said, oh, go down to airport, you know, Rachel is down there. There's another branch. Oh. Rachel had tremendous business. But she's a nice person to, start, to begin with. Mm -hmm. Very nice, down-to-earth lady. One of the best lay sellers I knew down there. That's the lady that first rode the Cadillac at the airport. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. She started. She started riding, uh, uh, buying Cadillacs every year. Oh my goodness. And then, you know. Then, other like uh, Onaga's wife also owned a Cadillac. Mm -hmm. 
And then I, I too, own the Cadillac. You can get a Cadillac maybe for $5,000, mm. you know? So why not we ride in style? So we did. Cadillacs for the lay sellers. Irene was 70 years old when she spoke to interviewers from the Center for Oral History. One theme that we hear through all these interviews is how this work often involved the whole family, everyone pitching in. Miley Lee was born in Paia on Maui in 1933 and was Hawaiian Caucasian. When she was six, she moved to Honolulu with her brothers and her single mom. Her mother remarried. Her new stepfather got into the lay business along with his sister, Gladys Chung, who opened Gladys's lay stand on Lagoon Drive. That was so successful, he opened his own stand, Eddie and Alice's stand. And in 1962, control passed to daughter Miley, who changed the name to Miley's Lay Stand after many years of hard work, starting at a young age. What grade were you in when you started going down to the Lay Stand? I think it was the sixth grade. I would have been 12, 12 years old. I thought it was a treat. Oh, yeah? Yes, I thought, oh, this is wonderful. But I found out different eventually. It was hard work. It wasn't such a treat because the old folks really made you work. If anything, I think we were very disciplined as to how we performed. Everything was business, no playing. Did you do the stringing or did you do the selling? We strung and sold. That was considered old. There were people down at the lace stands on Lagoon Drive that sold lays, sold and strung lays for my swear as soon as they're three, four years old, <laughs> if they could hold a needle and pick up a flower, they would start stringing. So who are your customers when you were on the trucks on Lagoon Drive? Well, some of us had regular customers, but uh-huh. majority of them would just be people that needed lays and they drive up in their cars alongside of our trucks. Were they local people or were they... The majority of our buyers then were locals. Tourism wasn't quite popular then, although it was definitely starting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was more of the locals that uh, bought our flowers. Have, uh, military customers? We had a lot of military people. After the war, they were still here. But still, I see the majority of our business came from the locals. Mm-hmm. Uh, the military plane would come in every afternoon Oh, three, three thirty, and that's when we had the majority of our business would be the military people then. Mm. But shortly after that, United Airlines started up, and that's when tourism really. Mm-hmm. Do you know what year they started United Airlines? I'd be guessing, but I would say in the latter part of nineteen forty-six. Mm-hmm. So you folks were out there already. We were out in Lagoon Drive still on our trucks Mm -hmm. and um, of course Pan Am was here already that's when in my mind that tourism really came into Hawaii was uh, 49 50 51 it was a good time to sell lays Um, I didn't mind working because uh, my parents were busy and we were all busy and the monies were good it was such a wonderful atmosphere at the old airport. The old cliche it was so full of aloha spirit. Is it was, it was even more than that. It wasn't just the aloha spirit. It was the people, you know. It was uh, 
It was more than the Aloha spirit. I can't, I can't, uh, I can see it, uh, you know, but I can't express to you how beautiful this old shack of an airport was. That old shack of an airport was destined for a lot of changes throughout the 1950s. Miley Lee was 52 when she did that interview we just heard that was recorded in 1985. For the Center for Oral History at the University of Hawaii Manoa and Hawaii Public Radio, I'm Bill Dorman.